everybody, light up your cigarettes if you got them, because this joint is going to be hot. Talking about a radio, powerful transmission, but no submission. 4-4, down the freeway, daddy-o, top down, all crowns, the kings of bebop, all the glory on top, tippy top of that transmission tower, all that transmission power. Happy fireworks, everyone. It is your two best pals at Opal City Radio on 8 o'clock p.m. 7-4-2017. It is Opal City Radio. My name is Mike, and with me is Emily. Hey, guys. Um, So are you looking forward to all sorts of fireworks tonight? Yeah, they've actually been going on for about two hours now at this point. So. Oh, well, yeah. you live in Southeast Opal City. They don't control those sorts of things like they do up here. Well, no, I mean, it's the South. It's Southeast. We're allowed to be yeah. dumb and dangerous. Well, it's uh, more more freedom for you, friends. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to take everybody. Well, we we are going to take everybody back to a a more patriotic time, perhaps a, a more a more innocent time. A more, um, a more confusing time. <laughs> uh, you're you're not kidding. Um, so, uh, in in our research, as we are Blue Beetle scholars, mm-hmm. we've decided to dive into the, the tumultuous world of the of the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, and um, the original comics that he was in. Yeah, we're talking uh, original, original. Blue Beetle, Daniel Garrett. O-O-G. Um, who's, while his stories aren't really that great or interesting. No, no, they're really not. They're, they were actually a slog to read. Um, it is, or at least it was for me, it was kind of interesting to see kind of his tra- trajectory through comics and kind of yeah. how it, coincides with a little bit of comic history like that was interesting to see his evolution it was more interesting from a character perspective than it was actually interesting in terms of oh this is a good comic yeah i mean it lot just about every single one of his stories is very forgettable yeah i mean it's it's very much like um like like while i was reading it it was more for me like is this a comic? Like, the way that this is portrayed, mm-hmm. it's almost like, you know, they were still developing storytelling techniques and things like that. I mean, you know, it, it's old. It, it's from the 30s. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it definitely shows. It did not age well. No. So, Blue Beetle premiered. Yes. <laughs> back in 1939. <sighs> In Mystery Men Comics, which was published by Fox Comics. Right. Uh, Mystery Men Comics was a comic book magazine where they had a bunch of 
these are all crime and detective stories. I mean, I I'm kind of in love with that that sort of like packaging method yes. in terms of comics. Yes. Like, I mean, that would be so great if like detective comics was like about various detectives. Yes. Um so when he premiered, uh he was in the back of the book. Yes. Uh you had your lead stories of the Green Mask and Rex Dexter of Mars. <laughs> Uh, the green mask was one of my favorites, actually. <laughs> um, racially insensitive Chin Chang. Yes. Um, and then there would be like a short prose story. And then after that, you had the Blue Beetle stories, which were about four pages. Yeah, they were extremely simplistic. You know, I mean, it was a new character that obviously they were like, they probably came up with his his appearance first. Yes. And they so, were just like, oh, Blue Beetle, here he is. You okay. Know? So Dan Garrett, by my count, has five different origin stories. Yeah, he's got quite a few of them. So the very, very first one is he's a New York City policeman. <laughs> he, he sure is. He fights gangsters. Yes. That's pretty much it. Yeah, his, basically. His Blue Beetle costume is a blue, like, three-piece suit. Yeah. With a domino mask, and he has, like, a beetle on his shirt. Yes. And everyone's like, the Blue Beetle! Um, <laughs> in the second issue, or his second story, is when yeah. he gets the actual Blue Beetle suit. Like, the yes. chainmail suit. Yes. So, we get that. Okay. Also in 1939, he gets his solo series, because what I'm imagining is Blue Beetle was a breakout character. Like, he had to be. If he's, yeah. if he's in Mystery Men, he's got a solo series. By 1940, he has a radio series. Yeah, I mean, people probably, I mean, you know, Blue Beetle sticks in your head, that name. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I mean, I'm sure it was, you know, for people just like, oh, like he's he's got a costume. He's punching up gangsters in brightly colored primary, you know, colored suits. Yes. And, you, you know, know, and he has his calling card of leaving like the blue beetle around like scare yes. dudes. Yes. So his solo series builds on policeman who beats up gangsters. Yes. <laughs> um, Let's see. He was born in 1916. Oh, yes, Grandpa. <laughs> uh, his mother died of influenza in 1919. Well, it was incurable back in those days, a death sentence. Yeah, his dad was a cop, and he wants Dan to go to college. So when his dad is killed in the line of duty, uh -huh. um, that's when Dan joins the police force, right. and he becomes the Blue Beetle to get revenge on the gangsters, because gangsters killed his dad. Right. Also, it's he, funny, too. He doesn't, like, hyper-focus that. He's just against gangsters in general. Yes. And and he's working with uh, oh, the, oh, the only, like, side character for a while. Because, again, yeah. these stories are only four pages long. When he's the leading story, they get to be about ten pages. Yeah. Uh, Mike Manigan. 
<laughs> he is the most hilarious, like, New York cop, Irish, like, Irish cop stereotype. Oh, my God. As he's just like, I'm going to get me the Blue Beetle Begora. You know, like, he's aggressively Irish. He is. He is indeed. And he thinks that Blue Beetle uh, is a crook. That's right. And he's going to catch him, and he's always just, like, this close, and Dan is always like, oh, you'll get him next time, Mike. <laughs> I mean, Mike is hilariously incompetent, like, yeah, yes. as far as police officers go, like, he's, like, hilariously incompetent. He's, like, he would make, like, Bullock, like, you know, from D.C., look like, you know, like, the, the credit to the bad. <laughs> So, this pretty much stays the same through late 30s into the early 40s. Yeah. Uh, they introduce a couple more characters. We get Dr. France, who's a pharmacist, uh, but he also creates all of Dan's gadgets. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, well, well, look, I mean, when you consider technology from back then, I mean, like tinkerers used to invent crazy ass shit that yeah. we all take for granted today. So, I mean, I I don't I wasn't too jarred by that. I'm like, all right, he's a pharmacist, he's just a guy who's like But I like how they did it because they're so short on time. It's just like, oh, here he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no sort of like character You, you know, when you only really have the like 8 or 10 pages to tell a story, you don't have a you lot gotta, of time. Got to hurry it up. You got to Gotta clap it along, Matt. Gotta <laughs> clap it along. So, yeah. So he made his uh, gadgets. He made the suit. Um, and we're also introduced to Vitamin 2X. Yes, which, Vitamin 2X. Which is what Dan takes, and that gives him, like, his superpowers. Right. He's got, like, he's got a pretty basic set of superpowers. Kind yeah. Kind of superman you know? Yeah. Like super strength, super endurance. Yeah. Um, we also meet Joan Mason, who's yeah. a girl reporter and professional <laughs> damsel in distress. In my, this woman, my God, like, if she could find any more capers to be, like, captured and tied up in, yeah. she would literally just be in a body bag 24-7. <laughs> like, What's, okay, a couple of interesting things. She works for the Daily Planet. Yeah. <laughs> which I was like, wait. Wait a minute. Yeah, I, and I was like, wait, what the, like, it's so weirdly echoing of Superman. Like, It really is. And she also gets a little backup story um, in the Blue Beetle comics, which uh -huh. are kind of interesting because she has a little more agency in those. Like, she still has to be rescued. Yeah, But she puts up a fight, at least. Like... You know, yeah. she'll, she'll fight back against the bad guys and then they'll overpower her and then Blue Beetle has to show up. It's right. not just like she's immediately captured. I mean, yeah, that is that is true. But my God, does she get captured? Well, she I mean, gets, she gets captured every story. Yeah, she, she's <laughs> constantly being captured, constantly in need of What a rescue. scoop. <laughs> yes, all the scoops. So by, gosh, the, uh, into the 40s. Mm-hmm. We see the shift from gangster stories yeah. to, oh shit, we're in the middle of WW2. That's right. And now we get Dan Garrett's second origin story, <laughs> <laughs> which is he is a former Central City policeman yeah. who is now a Secret Service agent. 
So, he's fighting Nazis and <laughs> filthy Japs. I mean, that's what you gotta do in the 40s. You gotta punch out a Nazi and a, and a, a member of the Japanese Imperial Army. Yeah, okay, and by the way, like, yeah, super offensive, like, yeah. racial stereotypes. I was like, yeah. oh. A little uncomfortable. I, I, I paged over a lot of these. Yeah, I was like, okay, the two that stood out to me were Dr. Fang. Yeah. Who had, like, literal fangs. Yes. And I'm like, oh, oh good. Well, I mean, when you look at the at the comics from that time period, though, like, it's weird because Nazis were always just dudes. Yeah, yeah. You know, but when it came to the Japanese, it was like, it, it's all on the table. Fangs, claws. Green skin. <laughs> green skin, like, snake eyes. Like, everything was on the table. Yeah. So you had that, and then there was Madam Fang. Yes. Who was, you know, the exotic seductress. And I'm like, okay. She was much more fun than Dr. Fang. Yes. And that what's, what's interesting, too, because I was like, wait a minute. In, like, his 1930 stories, or, like, in some of the other ones, you know, they were beating up on the Chinese and yeah. using, like, pretty much the same stereotypes. And then I was like, oh, no, that's right. The Chinese are our allies. So we had to do things where it's like, no, right. Chinese are good. Japanese are yes. bad. And I was like, all right. Yeah, that's, um, the, that's what they had to do. So around this time, he gets his sidekick. Yeah. Sparky. Oh, oh boy. Who only lasted, he was only in a couple of issues. <laughs> he was so forgettable that I forgot his name. <laughs> well, I have like, it written I was down. Like, what, what's his, like, like be little, little Beetle? Like, what, what is this guy's name? <laughs> Beetle Jr. <laughs> Beetle, Beetle Jr. would be amazing. So, Sparkington J. Northrup. Ah. Who was an orphan who was adopted by Lord Wellington Northrup of Suppleshire, England. Oh, oh, ouch. Who is sent to America during for the duration of the war. Yeah. So, okay, straight from the description of him. Uh, <laughs> he's a 100% likable American boy, but people think he's a sissy because of his elegant appearance and precise manner of speaking. I mean, but he's English, though. But no, he's he's an American who was adopted by a British dude. Yeah, I know, but, like, wouldn't that make him... Like, he was in Britain. Like, I, I don't know. I It was confusing to me. Well, I mean, it was probably confusing for everyone because he didn't last very long. He's just well. like... Like, I think he, he figured out that Dan Garrett was Blue Beetle, and then he was like, make me your sidekick, and Dan was like, okay. <laughs> and then Dan brought him to the garage and was just like, sorry, pal, my secret can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so I'm like, Sparky didn't last very long, and I'm like, well, I guess sidekicks don't have to be derivative of their hero, because I'm like, what do Robins have to do with bats? Yeah, that that is true. But it's still a little like okay, like you know. Well, I mean, you've got. Let's look at some other examples of the day. Like you've got Sandman and Sandy. Yes. Right. Um. You, Batman and Robin. Yeah, maybe maybe not so much. Superman and Superboy. Super yeah. Or Super Dog or Super Cat or Super. Take take your fucking pick. <laughs> I mean, there's so many. Um. You know, and let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other, some other ones. 
Did Green Lantern have a sidekick? Old school Green Lantern? I no, so. no, he never had a sidekick. It wasn't lanterny. No, little like little a, lantern. Like the 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 uh, 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 the lantern bearer. I I don't know. Yeah, lantern boy. <laughs> the torch boy. I mean, you had Aquaman and Aqualad. Yeah, that's true. I mean, usually Wonder the Woman and Wonder Girl. Yes. So usually the sidekick does kind of mirror the hero. In this case, it was just maybe they just knew it was a bad idea. They were like, ah, let's just scrap this. I mean, I think that might have been it. Or like Sparky just wasn't popular with readers like they thought he was going to be. Yeah. So they just they, they scrapped it. Yeah. So. OK, so, yeah. So he kind of has like glory days like. During the war, because I mean, it's yeah. very much comics entertainment 1940s. It's always beating up Nazis. It's <laughs> well, I mean, that's it's a pastime I can approve of, Mac. You know, so that's that's great. But then, once the war was over, he enters this really like weird stage where it's like they don't know what to do with this character. I think actually this is where I kind of stopped reading. Yeah. Because it was like, it really was jarring. Like, because yeah. you get, like, the stories don't even make much sense. Like, they have that one where he's like, oh, God, he's, like, investigating, like, this dude that's in a factory, and it turns out to be this other guy. And it's like, what is happening? There was a whole, like, weird sci-fi thing with, like, invaders yeah. from Saturn. Well, I mean, what are you going to do with a guy named the Blue Beetle, you know? I yeah, mean. so, you know, they're like, all right, we don't quite know what to do with him. Um, this is, I think, where we get the third origin story. <laughs> where he's the world's greatest athlete since Jim Thorpe, who I had to look up. Yeah. Uh, and Jim Thorpe was in, like, an all-around, all-American athlete he went to the olympics he won two gold medals i believe he was possessed of a lantern jaw and also a cleft in his chin yes yes uh he was a native american um but yeah he played football basketball um he ran like like the biathlete you know yeah. He was an all all around all American boy, and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool, a dude I'd never heard of." Um, well, there you go. I learned something. Uh, he has studied India's great mystics and can <laughs> ignore all pain. Nice. And he found the lost secret of forging uh, the lightest and strongest armor, which had been lost for centuries. <laughs> and I like how it's just like he did it. He found it. Yes. What what does he do again? Also, also the costume can emit death rays. Yes. Uh, yeah, it can do that too. So I'm like, oh, okay. I think that one was. Cool. I remember that one has to be like at the tail end of the war stuff because, as I recall, um, it's Hitler himself who's like telling people this, and I'm like, oh, oh, okay, Blue Beetle. Well, the Hitler's real scared of the Blue Beetle, okay? I just, you know, have you seen? He's so tough. <laughs> so, I don't think that lasted long. His fourth origin story is he's a rookie cop again. Yes. And I'm like, oh, like I'm getting a headache here. Like, yeah. <laughs> like y'all need to settle down. Which is stuck with the rookie cop one for a while. Yes, for a little bit. And that's when we slide into. Like the late 1940s, 
and his books become like they look very much like pre-code um mystery books like detective books like it's a lot of like buxom dames sure you know that are getting tied up and like you know their skirts are like you know hitched up you know higher than they should be and he's back to beating up gangsters and (laughs) isn't he like he kills them at this point right well yeah i mean he has like a gun yeah (laughs) at various points in his career like a real gun (laughs) blowing away gangsters like you know, so it's that it's almost like it's almost like they're trying to do like a hard boiled crime thing, but with a superhero. Yeah, um, I mean, well, I'm sure that they tried to reflect on, you know, the popular heroes of the time, like the shadow. Yeah. You know, because yeah. the shadow, I mean, his powers basically where he can hide real good mm-hmm. and he's got guns that he can shoot people with. Yes. Yes. He's basically like he's a murderer. Essentially, his <laughs> powers are that he's a serial killer. Like, Yes. So, you know, they do that for a while. He's being published now in like um, other magazines because by the mid 1950s. Yeah. Fox had gone out of business and they'd been bought by Charlton Comics. So Charlton is publishing him and like their backups, you know, he's a feature in Phantom Lady, uh-huh. you know, and Captain Adam. He's all characters that would go to DC who then would inspire Alan Moore for Watchmen. Yes. Um, so I don't know if they really knew what they were doing with him just yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was a new property. They probably took a look at some of his other stuff and were like, ah, yeah. maybe we'll, you know. Because it looked like, too, that a lot of it was also reprints of his old stuff. Sure. Which makes sense. Like, okay, you know, repackage it, see how it sells. Yeah, exactly. You know, gauge the interest for the character. I mean, you know, y- yeah, we acquired this guy, but if yeah. people aren't interested in him, we'll just shelve him. You yeah. Know? So in the 1960s... <laughs> Now, this, like, mid-1960s, we get the origin story that we more or less know from Ted's run as Blue Beetle, which is Dr. Daniel Garrett, archaeologist and authority (laughs) on ancient Egypt. Right. Who, during a, a dig, he finds a blue scarab in an evil, like, an evil tomb of, like, an evil pharaoh. <laughs> right. Which, uh, it's very, like, Moon Knight to me. Yeah, yeah, it's like the guy possesses him. Yeah, so he picks yeah. up the scarab, and when he says the magic words, Kajida, yes. he gets the suit, he gets superpowers, um, and he is enlisted to fight this evil pharaoh, Ka-F-Ray. Yeah, right. Which I'm sure is a super Egyptian name. Um, and then these adventures are like, uh, I mean, they're one-shot adventures. And it's mostly like, oh, I'm out here doing science or archaeology. <laughs> and here's a beautiful girl. And yes. oh, there's danger. Let me change to Blue Beetle. Let me fight the danger. Let me make out with the girl. Yeah, basically, there's a lot of, like, punching out of dudes. Yes. Which I liked at this point. Um, yeah, the 60s one, I mean, 
it, it definitely it feels like an actual comic book. Yeah, it, it's just it's written in a way that you can approach it. You're like, all right, he gets the dame and he punches out the bad guys. I'm yeah. on board. Yeah, I mean, because like reading, reading the comics from, especially like from the very beginning oh. from the 1930s. Yeah, it's like a different language. Let me it's tell you. So I mean, well, it's like consuming any. Like it's like when you watch an old movie. From like yeah. the 1930s, and you're like, why is everyone talking fast? What are these? What's happening? Um, it's just it's so different because you're like, it is with the four pages, and it's just here's Blue Beetle. He killed a gangster. Oh no! Okay, now they're cops. Okay, goodbye. And it's like, wait, <laughs> what? Well, what? yeah, I mean, that was like the one I remember that sticks out in my head, where he's like. There's a lady crossing the street. He becomes Blue Beetle and lifts up a truck. And the truck driver, instead of being like, oh, my God, is just like, like, wow, he's pretty strong, Mac. Like, it's, it's amazing. I mean, Bravo, four stars would read again. Like, comment, subscribe. I mean, I like the one where he goes into the castle and he beats up all the goons and then he ties yes. up all the goons and then he puts them in the shape of the Blue Beetle. Yes. He had a long time to, like, arrange, like, like when I slaughter a bunch of people in, like, say, Skyrim, and yes. I arrange their bodies tastefully in the middle of Town Hall. Yes. So yes. I, we're making sure that I put that one guy's severed head, to, like, directly in the bucket. Of course, so yes. So that people know that I've been here. Of course, of course. Oh, okay, I, I have notes on a, f on a few select early stories. Oh, sure, yeah, let's, let's have Adam. Okay. Uh, there was the dude who was selling faulty equipment to playgrounds. <laughs> and the first page of the story has a mother holding her dead daughter's body. Yeah. And then they use the same panel in, like, the newspaper that they show. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. oh, so yeah, Blue Beetle goes and, like, he beats that dude up and, like, brings him to justice. Yeah, let's see. What's one that I remember? Um, they <laughs> so Blue Beetle like uh, there's there's they're looking at, they're in an art gallery. Uh -huh. Him and him and Mike, uh -huh. and they're looking at modern art. And of course, Mike is like, oh, I don't get it. It's all a bunch of lines and splatters of color, Saints Begora, <laughs> and like you know, Dan's like, oh, the more the most modern art Mike gets is the funny papers, and I was like, oh wow, dude, that's a hardcore diss in the 1930s. <laughs> but so um, there's this dude, and he he's a dick to Mike, and because he's a he's a painter, uh -huh. and this family comes in and he paints them all dying. Oh. And he's like, oh, no, you see, my paintings are prophecies, and they always come come true. Oh. And he paints, like, a picture of Mike getting hit with a pie. And so him and Dan, like, are walking down the street or whatever, and they're going to a domestic call where a guy is arguing with his wife, and his wife throws a full pie. And, uh -huh. you know, Mike is just like, oh, a whole day without getting a pie in me face, Saints Begora. And then, of course, <laughs> he gets hit by a pie. And so then Dan's like, oh, no, what if the other prophecies are going to come true? Oh, and then he no. Has to go, oh, no. He has to go and, and save each of the members of this family. Mm -hmm. And, like, at the end, like, nothing is resolved. Like, there's a dude. He saves the girl from being hit by a truck. Uh-huh. And so he walks her home. And then the masonry topples on uh, 
you know, on Dan and the girl and this other guy who, like, tried to hang himself for... Uh, for because reasons. Because reasons. Yes. Yeah. And um, he, like, lets the masonry fall on him. And then they go inside. And then her father is just like, I'll kill her and brings her up to the roof. Oh, my God. And then Dan, like, jumps on them and floats them down to safety. And he's just like, you've had it, mister. And <laughs> it's just like, but wait, what, what, what about the painter? Like, who did this, Dan? You're not going to even look into this? <laughs> no. He's just like, my case closed, Mac. And I was like, it's not closed. It's the opposite of closed. The killer is still at large, you maniac. Um, being a true crime fan, uh, this was my favorite story. Uh-huh. Where a dude was kidnapping women because he was going to create the perfect woman out of all of their separate parts. Oh, joy. It's Buffalo Bill rides again. I was like, holy shit. Like 1940s Blue Beetle. You need to sit the fuck down. It's like, no, never. Because, yeah, like he, like his goons have these girls. Right. And he's got like, you know, his mad laboratory. And he's like, oh, yes, this one's arms and that one's head. And I'm like, oh, this serial killer that's at large. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. Dan, maybe solve the case of like th- the mass murder that's happening in your city. <laughs> like, No, it's fine. I mean, he eventually shows up and like punches the dude in the face. But I'm just like, hmm. Let's see. Let me see if I have another one here. Oh, this one's a good one. Um, so he crosses an an evil farm like an evil pharmacist. It's he's not a, he's not stated to be a doctor, much like Doctor French. He is a pharmacist. Yes. And he's like, oh, all these people are dying when they use the phone. I wonder what's happening. Well, it turns out that this guy is has a powder. Uh-huh. That he's going to put on the phones to kill people because reasons. And so, like, he's this little goony bald guy. Mm-hmm. And, like, so Dan tracks down the, the guys. And, uh, you know, he breaks into their lair and he's just like, Ah, oh, it's the Blue Beetle. I'm pleased to meet you for my name is Dr. Death. <laughs> you know, like, and he's dressed in, like... The Nazi lab coat, you know, like, and with the, with the long black gloves. And he's got like his goons who have the most hilarious 1930s talking voices (laughs) where they're like, uses deads, blues beetles. (laughs) And it's just like, he beats the dudes up and (laughs) like in like exchanging the most, like the realist 1930s smack talk. Where, like, the one goon will punch him, and he's like, how's that taste, Blue Beetle? And then, you know, he's just like, it doesn't taste as good as this. And he, like, kicks him in the chest. And I'm like, what are you even talking what about? What is happening? What is this banter? Yes. And then so he corners Dr. Death, and he's like, you know, you're going to prison, Dr. Death. And he's like, ha, you fool. They don't call me Dr. Death for nothing. And he takes a pill and kills himself. Oh, and then they're like, case closed. <laughs> <laughs> well, obvi- I mean, you can't take the corpse to jail. So obviously, I mean, yes. I guess. I, 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 I. Uh, let's see. One of my other favorite ones was 
Let's. Oh yeah, the dude who was blowing up buildings, including <laughs> a fucking hospital. Right. Um, because blowing up the building somehow keeps the power plant shut down, and he can like steal better in the dark. Uh, right. I didn't quite quite get like his his like line There's of not, thinking on that I've one. I've noticed that uh, like a lot of these are that way where it's like, you know, well, like I'll poison all of the city's residents, and that way I'll be able to rob all the banks with no one to stop me. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, and I'm like it well, seems real convolute. Like, why don't you just put on a mask? Yeah, like <laughs> just, why don't you why don't you like just poison the bank people? Because that seems like it would work a lot better because then there'd be no bank. Or maybe poison all the cops. Yeah, I was thinking, maybe, like, poison the cops that are on that beat. Like, No, he's just like, poison everyone, poison, therefore. Poison everyone in New York City. That's right. Wait, what? Like, even in 1939, that's a lot of people. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Dr. Death, though. I, I He's a pharmacist. <laughs> of course he would know <laughs> which drugs kill the most people. <laughs> well, yeah, pharmacists are the most powerful of all medical it's, professionals. It, it, like, I mean, that, that line of thinking was really, really common back then in mm-hmm. comics where it was like, you know, like, you don't want to get in a fight with me, Buster. I'm a doctor. Which oh. is like, which is like, oh, whoa, a doctor. Oh, no. Uh, but but like in the 1930s, it was like, I know precisely where to punch a man to cause death. You know, like, <laughs> like all right, Dr. Punch, just settle down. <laughs> actually, it's Punch MD. Thank oh, you very oh, much. Oh, sorry. Sorry. PhD Punch. <laughs> um, my favorite panel uh-huh. Let's. I don't even know what story. Anyway, it was some damn story with like there was like a gorilla that was loose. <laughs> oh man! And I the, love this already. The dude says to Dan and Mike, who are you know in their cop uniforms, "I didn't think you policemen were brave enough to fight a gorilla." And Dan says, "We're American policemen." <laughs> cool. Because like. Only American policemen would be brave enough to fight a gorilla. Yeah, a, a cowardly German policeman. <laughs> Coward- it's like, nein, I'm Gorilla Chen. <laughs> I'm Appa. <laughs> but I just, uh, I mean, whoa, I don't know if you guys could hear like those fireworks going off. Yeah, that was, uh, that sounded like a I think it's close. happening in my parking lot, actually. Oh, wonderful. Um, My other favorite little tidbit as I was leafing through some of the the later Blue Beetle stuff. Yeah. Uh, one, George R.R. R. Martin Yes! wrote in to Charlton Comics to comment on the Blue Beetle. And yes, it's that George R.R. R. Martin. Who also got a letter published when he wrote into Marvel about Fantastic Four. He did. He loved the Fantastic Four. This is what he has to say about Blue Beetle. The first issue of BB wasn't the greatest comic book I've ever seen, but it was the best stuff to come from your company. The plot of his origin story was excellent, and the tale itself was very good. 
I really liked BB's costume, especially those cool eyepieces. Somehow this getup is snazzy in its simplicity. George R.R. R. Martin, uh, Bayonne, New Jersey. Uh, it's pronounced Bayonne. Bayonne, excuse yeah. me. Watch, watch yourself and over here. the editor's note is, I wear sunglasses that curve. That's where I got the idea for BB's eyepiece. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wowzers. But yes, professional nerd, George R.R. R. Martin. <laughs> yeah, like prototype nerd. That guy like created the mold himself. You know, so it's like. Blue Beetle, like I said, it, like his his actual stories. I mean, while some of them are super zany, yes. I mean, by and large, very forgettable. Like I said, in the '30s, it's all like interchangeable gangsters. Yeah, basically, who, it's who like have he inter- the guy in the red suit this time. Yeah, it's all interchangeable plots. Um, the '40s, it gets a little better with like the war stuff because who doesn't enjoy seeing a Nazi get punched in the face? I mean, that's one of my greatest pleasures in life. You know, but then you also have like unfortunate racism, and you're like, oh, maybe I'll skip yeah. this story. Yeah. Um, you know, but then I noticed too, like, I think it was after the war period, like his villains, even if they were just gangsters, they looked like monsters. They weren't yeah. just, like, dudes, but it was, like, yeah. grotesque dudes. And I'm like, is this, like, almost like a pre-code thing where it's like, we have to show that bad guys aren't people <laughs> and that only beautiful people are good. So if they're bad, they have to be hideous and monsters. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. That's that's an interesting thing. I, I don't know. But, I mean, like I said, it's interesting to, to see him tracked through... Again, like, you know, the end of the 30s, yeah, through the war, the po- you know, those post-war growth spurts. And I think that, like, the comic industry as a whole went through that. Oh, oh, absolutely. Of, like, the war's over, they can't go punch Nazis. Like, you know, they milked that as long as they could. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it was so easy. I'm sure they, they that was like the, the golden years back then. Yeah, I mean, that was literally the golden age of yeah, comics. absolutely. Um, you just, I mean, that's gangbusters back then. <laughs> you know, so then you get to like the 50s and it's this weird, like, I mean, even Blue Beetle had it of like the weird, like, dumb stories that don't make any sense you see that with like superman and batman yeah with like their weird stories that make any you're like what are you guys doing and then thank (laughs) god the 60s came around and gave him like okay we're gonna like undo all like the cop secret agent he's going to randomly be an archaeologist now (laughs) i mean hey but when you got to change a character i mean they knew they probably knew it was time you You know know, so yeah thank god charlton came along and eventually figured it out um (laughs) indeed you know i kind of wish i'm not gonna lie i like we read this through a torrent because i don't know where the hell else you can get blue beetle Uh, comics from the 1930s and 40s and 50s (laughs) Who exactly is going to sue us now? Well, I guess DC. Well, I mean, but DC <laughs> doesn't have it published anywhere, so. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, my torrent was an incomplete torrent. So, like, a lot of stuff, like, was missing. So, I mean, I'm, like. Well, we had enough for for an accurate this is, snapshot. This is this is true. I'm just, like, the, the unrepentant, like, history nerd in me 
wishes there had been a little bit more so I could see a little bit more of how terrible <laughs> it was. Yeah. But, I mean, if you if you can lay hands on it, it's interesting just to see, one, like, what comics were like from a bygone era, especially if you've only ever read modern comics. Um, I mean, I would caution uh, the adventurous reader, be on your guard for, like, blatant racism. Oh, it, well, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, you have in, to keep in, in it's mind. In, it's in stories, it's in ads, it's in, like, yeah, letters. There's, like, there's a lot of real terrible, like, real terrible, super casual yeah. Super intense racism. Yeah, so um, I mean, like, if that's if that's something that offends you, I mean, maybe maybe give this one a skip. Yeah, um... I mean, not every comic has it, but... No. Th- well, they're not gonna flag the comics that have it. I mean, it's just gonna be there, so... Yeah, I mean, again, it's... When you're looking at old comics, you have to look through the lens of history, and unfortunately, you know... I, especially in the United States, it, it it's not been a rosy road. Yeah, I mean, people well, tend to look at the past with rose-colored glasses on, and and that's that's yeah. not the case at all. I mean, but it's tr- I mean, it's true with any piece of media that you're going to consume. Yeah, um, that comes from any point in time. I mean, I, like I say, it's like somebody who enjoys reading old books that I've learned to be like, okay. But I've also reached points in books where it's like, oh, that's a little too much. Let me, let me put that down for a minute. Yeah. You know, or like watching old movies. And you're like, oh, this is such a fun movie. And then they'll like. <laughs> oh, God. And yeah. then they'll do something. And you're like, oh. Oh. And just pause the movie for a minute to like digest what just happened. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, that's, the, it's, it's, it's part of. I say, unfortunately, know. it is part of. American culture, pop culture. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that people today are trying to do better. I mean, yeah, well, you and me both, pal. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've definitely, I've, I've, we've seen strides forward. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I know there's still shit heels out there. Yeah. But I like to think that as a whole, we're seeing greater strides forward. I mean, hopefully, we'll but maybe that's like see that. Pollyanna optimism naivety. Uh, I don't. May, maybe who knows? I don't know. We'll have to see when future generations listen to Opal City Radio. They will either look back and say, "We made it, pals," or they like, "What fools these people were! <laughs> these idiots!" Uh. Yeah, oh, uh, one of them is Asian. Oh, uh. gross. Uh. Terrible. No, no one will say that. Well, I mean, we don't no, know that. We, of, who knows what the future holds? Well, not, none of our future listeners. They're all good people. It's true. Our, our, our listeners will be, they'll be part of, As they will be Asgardians, not Earthlings. Yes. Yes. My space brothers, by the way, uh, I would like to congratulate choosing the Asgardian anthem and mm-hmm. flag. Both were excellent choices, and both of them convey the seriousness in which the Asgard project continues to advance. I see. Yes. So whether you're on Earth or Asgardian, <laughs> whether you're an American or an Asgardian, uh-huh. um, I would uh, like to tell you where you can get to Opal City Radio. Yes. Um, you can get to us at Opal City Radio at blogspot.com. You can leave mm-hmm. all sorts of comments there. You can post the Asgardian flag. I will thumbs up it every single time. 
Um, let's see. You can go on podcast.com and search Opal City Radio. We are there. Yes. Uh, we are on iTunes as well. The most convenient way to listen, probably still. Yes. Uh, just search us. We'll pop up and, and you'll get the, our, our new podcast sent straight to your de- your device. Your device. Your future device. That's right. Straight to your smarted phone. No. Uh, let's see here. You can also go on Facebook, although, and I will caution you. Is it still broke? Yeah, the I got in touch with somebody, mm-hmm. and they told me basically, no, it's working fine. And I said, no, it's not. And that's where we are now on Facebook. Oh, okay. So, We're on so Twitter, yeah. too. Twitter works. Yeah, Twitter totally does work. Maybe, maybe Fortunately, unfortunately, shrug. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's true. Um, but yeah, you can get in touch with us all those different ways. You can even just straight email us. Your 1930s uh, fan letter, George yes. R. R. Martin at opalcitypretty.gmail.com. <laughs> I would love if George R. Like, I look in the thing and George R. R. Martin's in there. And he's just like, I've listened to your podcast. It wasn't the best podcast, but the <laughs> yes. best one yet. <laughs> like, I'll be like, oh, thanks for your backhanded compliment, George. Indeed. I really like Mike's microphone. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I well, I use a microphone like this at home, and well, I guess it's just my microphone. Yes, that's where I got the idea for the microphone. Maybe. Uh, but anyway, we will continue to to chip away all of the the rock surrounding the delicate bones of Blue Beetle, <laughs> and until we <laughs> we assemble a, a full skeleton that we will display in the Opal City Archaeological Museum. That's terrible, though. But as the curator, it's my duty. I mean, are we displaying a beetle, or are we displaying, like, Ted Cord, the dead blue beetle? That's probably Ted Cord. He got shot in the head, didn't That's he? That's... That's terrible, Michael. Look, we won't... Look, we're not gonna put his actual bones out, sweetheart. It's only gonna be a wax model. <laughs> but I mistakenly put this, the real scarab on it. Oh, God, no. Yes. So then he becomes, like, a mummy? Well, I mean, look, I regret nothing. You got your blue beetle back. Congratulations. Oh, God. Booster would cry so many tears. It's, yeah, it's since he definitely would. What a grim Um, note to end this episode on. It's, it's so true. But we will have less grim notes for you in the future. So until then, good night, everyone. Bye, guys. City Radio, now ending its broadcast day.